I am Patrick Yeos, National President of Fraternal Order Police. This is the Blue View. Well, Representative Stalbert, thank you for joining us on, on the Blue View podcast. Hey, you know, you've got a you got a really interesting history. Uh professional hockey, uh law enforcement officer, 26 years, correct? Uh 23, yeah. 20, 23 years at Duluth, uh, vice president of your FOP Lodge. You live a, you know, got an interesting life. Uh, now that I've told everybody about you, how about you go a little bit further and, and let our listeners and viewers know a little bit more about you? Oh, uh, thanks, Pat. It's great to be with you, and I appreciate all the work you do. And and uh, as we spoke off camera, uh, we believe it's police week, fifty two weeks a year, and and I appreciate that. So it, it's great to be with you all. I'm Pete Stauber, member of Congress for Minnesota's eighth uh, uh, congressional district, Northeast Minnesota. Real briefly, uh, I had a professional hockey career uh, many many years ago with the Detroit Red Wings, and uh, once I retired due to an injury, I. I became uh, a law enforcement officer uh, in the city of Cottage Grove, Minnesota. I was a police officer, paramedic. Then I went to my hometown in Duluth, Minnesota. It's right on the western tip of Lake Superior and uh, spent 23 years there. I, uh, I, I uh, began as a patrol officer, ended as an area commander, and I was a. Uh, I founded my union and ended up being president of my union. And um, I know that I left the Duluth Police Department better than when I came uh, because of that. The men and women that followed me are, are enjoying the benefits uh, of our hard work, and I'm very happy and proud that we did that. Uh, people have said we should have done it a long time ago, but uh, I retired. And dur- during my uh, police career, prior to retiring, I also served as a city councilor in my hometown of Hermantown, Minnesota, and also a uh, St. Louis County Commissioner uh, for St. Louis County, which is a really a, a, a huge county. And in the meantime, married and six kids. Uh, my wife spent just under 25 years in the military. She's an Iraq War veteran. So both uh, we tell our kids, mom and dad wore uniforms for a living. We were public servants and we're proud of that. And, and <clears throat> I think, uh, Pat, that's why I'm so I, I, I'm just so passionate about police work, because I'm just one of a few in Congress that have ever worn the uniform. Yeah, I'm just yeah. one of a few in Congress that have have had violence uh, put forth against me. You know, I was uh, uh, off duty. I was shot in the head in, in December of 1995 by a career criminal and uh, uh, survived that. And, and while on duty, uh, by the grace of God, a, a criminal suspect's gun malfunctioned. Uh, he had uh, He had it to my head. Uh, he got the he got the jump on me, as we say, and and uh, you know I'm I'm just fortunate to be here. I've, I've, it's like I got a second chance, right? And uh, yeah. I'm I want to kick the can of life, and and in the meantime, Pat, I don't believe there's any uh, more pro law enforcement member of Congress than me. Uh, you know, in the summer of love, as 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 uh, I want to tell your listeners, at the summer of love, the 2020, when 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 police officers and the family were desperate for support, I stood up. Uh, Kevin McCarthy tasked my office, our office, uh, stating there's no bad police bills. You're going to be front and center. And I spent 15 months, 15 months battling the defund the and the anti-police rhetoric coming out of our nation's capital. Uh, and uh, there was no bad legislation that was signed into law. And it wasn't only me, but we led the charge and other uh, members of Congress uh, came to the defense of cops. And, and, and uh, Pat, I just want to say one thing, and I always say this, uh, and I'm going to get partisan here. Uh, 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 Republicans don't need election year polling to stand with law enforcement. 
You know, let me, uh, you know, first, let me thank you and your and your wife both for for your servant heart and your service to our country, service to your community. Um, but, I, I, you know, you're right. There are a handful of people that are in uh, in Congress that have a law enforcement background. Talk a little bit about why, how that is so beneficial in helping, uh, you know, Congress is weighing in on a lot of things having to do with law enforcement without maybe necessarily having a clear understanding of the practical side of, of some of their work. Tell me how being a law enforcement officer, uh, law enforcement, you know, background in Congress and how it's helpful in navigating through a sea of all kinds of legislation that's being considered before Congress that affects law enforcement. You know, Pat, I've been asked that before, and I say two things in my life that I'm very fortunate to have done, play hockey and be, be a law enforcement officer. And if you look at both of those professions, um, in the game of hockey, it's intense. You, you, you're battling. Uh, you're getting literally browbeat on the ice every game. Uh, but your whole goal is to win and to score more goals than the other team. And, and in Congress, it's the same to try to get your legislation, a good common sense pro law enforcement legislation across the finish line while you're getting, uh, you know, attacked verbally by folks, uh, that, that haven't worn the uniform or don't really understand it. And, and it's really helped me. I've got, uh, you know, as, as many in law enforcement, we have thick skin because of the, what we deal with on the streets and what we have dealt with on the streets. And, and we have to keep our emotions in check and check and really focus on the end game, which is good, solid legislation, uh, in this case, in support of law enforcement and making sure people, we can educate people every single day here on Capitol Hill about law enforcement and, and uh, making sure they're taken care of. And we talk about their training and making sure that uh, uh, qualified immunity isn't taken away and making sure for our smaller agencies, the 1033 programs stay in place because they can't afford uh, some of that, uh, the equipment. You know, I, I served in the third largest police department in, in the state of Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota. And I was on the tactical team. I had a, I had a 223 uh, rifle. It was a Vietnam era and I had a Vietnam era a Kevlar helmet. Um, but, but I knew that somebody needed to do that. Somebody needed to go get that homicide suspect that was holed up. We were not going to allow that homicide suspect to leave and kill other people. He was going to, uh, we were going to capture him to the best of our ability, uh, trying to get nobody injured, including the suspect. And uh, we did that. And, and Pat, as you know, law enforcement agencies across this country do that. And for me, just <clears throat> that, that bringing the law enforcement perspective, the, the hockey perspective into my legislative opportunities and, and the way I do it. I, I do I do believe that uh, that uh, bipartisan is the way to go in Washington and we try to uh, to try to set the example. Um, I've had really in the summer of love for those 15 months I had really interesting conversations with my colleagues on the other side of the aisle and, and they learned from me and, and I learned from them too. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the, the 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 people that just blatantly throw out you know, anti-law enforcement rhetoric, defund, um, when they've never worn the shoes, they don't understand that we make a life or death decision. You know, we can go from off, you know, the, the force continuum for us can go from officer presence to deadly force in a matter of a second. Yeah, and people have, people have to understand that and, and realize that, that, and our families are concerned when we, when we, when we leave, uh, for the night shift. And, and, uh, uh Pat, I said this, uh, uh, last week uh, during police week, I said the greatest sound 
a spouse or a family member hears from their law enforcement uh, family member that member that comes home is that Velcro vest. When you take that Velcro vest off and it wakes your spouse up in the morning, it wakes, in my case, it woke my wife up. Uh, and, uh, but she knew I was home safe. And those are little things that, that we in law enforcement, we understand. And, and, uh, it's just, it's just being able to share that experience in Congress with members. And I think it's really, I, th I think it's really beneficial. And I feel blessed to have had the law enforcement career, uh, survive what I did, uh, and also being able to, uh, Bring my professional hockey career that that mentality of of just get it done for the right reasons for the American people. Yeah, you know, uh, I I want to talk about two particular bills, but before I do, I want to talk about a crisis, you know, existential crisis we have in law enforcement. One that is not going to be fixed overnight. We're probably looking at a generation to fix it, and and that is, you know, during that you call it summer of love that uh, 2020. There was so much damage done to our profession that it's not cool to be a law enforcement officer anymore. And, and I, and that, you know, it, the problem we have in law enforcement is that the best and brightest are not stepping up at the level that we need to sustain the amount of people that leave in our profession. Uh, so it's, what it's doing is creating a vacuum. And in essence, it's hurting the very communities that, you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, a lot of us, the actions that were taken during this time, you know, claims that we were really trying to help. We've done, we've done some really, you know, irreparable harm to, to our profession. Um, talk a little bit about some of the things that may be going through Congress right now to help us stabilize law enforcement, recognizing the need to recruit the best and the brightest and to be that next wave of law enforcement, help us define the future of law enforcement. Well, one of the things uh, uh, you you just mentioned, we want the best and the brightest. And I've already no said doubt. law enforcement, law enforcement, it's honorable. It's a noble profession. Uh, and, and we need the best and the brightest to come forward. And what's happening right now is, 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 is because of the defund, the anti-police rhetoric that's happening, the morale retention and recruitment is down. You go to some of our law enforcement schools, uh, they're down 60, 70 percent. Uh, and I, 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 what what I really uh, think we need to do, it's from every single elected official, not only at the federal level, but the state level and the local level have to understand we need to get good men and women in this uh, in this profession. And and I will say this, not lowering the standards. Like if, you're an, if you're if you're an agency, you got five openings and you only have three that qualify. Do not hire those two that are unqualified because they're going to cause problems, not only for your community, but the profession in, in general. We don't Without lower our standards. Um, we keep our standards up. And in Congress, we can, we can push legislation uh, like the Protect and Serve Act and, and, and my Collective Bargaining Act to make sure uh, that, uh, that they have a voice in their work hours and their wages and their safety and their family safety. And I think that uh, th those are some things that it, it's every single level, uh, Pat, that we need to, we need to make sure that we're, we're supporting law enforcement. And, and to, to the viewers listening, I, I want to say this that, and I've said it public, I want to say this. Nobody dislikes a bad cop more than a good cop. You know, we have to also hold ourselves accountable and those that we see not acting and holding, upholding the oath that they swore to protect to serve. 
we have to hold them accountable. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, that when we do that, we continue to gain trust, uh, with the community, in the communities that we serve. And, and, and I will just say that, um, you know, the, the incident in Minneapolis, uh, involving George Floyd, uh, I'm very sad, uh, f- for all of it. Uh, but I'm sad that it happened in my state of Minnesota. Uh, when I hold, uh, that post, uh, that peace officer's license, uh, police operations and standards and training license, I was proud to hold that and to have this incident happen in what I, my great state of Minnesota. It was, it was disheartening. Uh, and it hurt and it still hurts. Uh, because even in Minnesota, the recruitment, um, uh, is, is, and retention and morale is very low and just like across the country. So, we can do our part in Congress, but everybody has to do its part. <clears throat> and like I say, that's why I said moments ago that that Republicans don't need electioneer polling to stand with law enforcement. Every one of my colleagues understands because I've had the privilege of talking to them. And, and like I say, I'm not painting uh, my Democratic friends and colleagues on the other side with a broad brush. I'm not doing that at all. We, you know, there are some colleagues of mine on the other side of the aisle that are just as passionate. But we need all of them on the other yeah. side of the aisle uh, because it only takes a few to tarnish, to try to tarnish the reputation yeah. and that good profession that we have. And, and I would just say that, um, Pat, we have, if we all... Uh, can come together on good legislation, allowing uh, uh, benefits for police officers. I mean, there's benefits that uh, that we can encourage uh, to go through legislation that will help uh, you know police officers uh, maybe uh, serving in rural communities more. So you know, give them um, you know opportunities to entice them to serve rural communities, just like the rural doctors and nurses. You know, there's investments yeah. to them, and of course, pay. I mean. The, the the pay for law enforcement. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I'm not going to name this. I'm not going to name this agency. Uh, but but when you work for an agency for 25 years, and you get 31 percent of your pension, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? They go they go on thousands of calls for service, never knowing. I mean, never knowing which one is going to you're going to have to use deadly force or which one just officer presence is going to take care of. But you can't tell me. That, that when you look in the other private sector, you, there, there's places you can work at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, convenience stores and make almost as much as a police officer. And, so, and we need all those jobs, right? We need those good, solid convenience store workers too. But now when we're talking about law enforcement, come on. I mean, that's how, that's how you can bring uh, and elevate the professional law enforcement, just like, just my, like my collective bargaining act. You know, and, and by the way, I'm proud of of, of uh, the the negotiations that I held uh, on behalf of my union members uh, that were all unanimously supported because we we upped the pay uh, uh, and, and upped the uh, benefits because we believe that uh, that we do a good job and and that the that the city in Duluth in this in this uh, situation um, respected our wishes. And like I say, I'm very proud of that department. Uh, I would, I would uh, share the successes that well, we had any member. Yeah. You know, so, so you bring it up. Let's, let's, let's go, let's take it right there. Uh, HR 3539, the public safety employee, uh, em, employer employee cooperation act. I mean, you, you, you talked about, you know, your pride of, of, of your involvement when you were in police union, but, but you also served the city council as correct. 
uh, city council yeah. as well. You, yeah. So you served in those positions. Talk about why it's important, not just on a union standpoint, but all all the stakeholders uh, to have that that what the the dialogue that this gives in creating a safer and stronger community uh, through a collective bargaining <clears throat> agreement. You know, Pat, I've had the privilege of being on the negotiating side as a union president and also at the city council and county commissioner approving the salaries and the contracts uh, of the men and women. So I, I've, I, I've seen it from both sides. And, and I have to tell you, I've been, I, I've been so appreciative to have the opportunity to be on both sides. Yeah. I remember uh, in city negotiations um, there we were, we were, you know, negotiating with the, with the police union, and and I got to tell you, it was very interesting to hear some of the comments from the city folks on on why uh, they would be asking for this rather than that, et cetera. And I was able to t- talk them like, here's why. And, and here's I have uh, the rationale uh, for them wanting this over that. And here's the rationale. And here's why. Uh, and it benefited the negotiations. Uh, and I think it benefited the city and the police department and the police officers rather. And their families, yeah. um, and so I think that when you when you have somebody that that has been on both sides, uh, they're very aware. And I've always said, um, police officers and their unions never throw anything, never throw what we say spaghetti on the wall and see what what sticks for negotiations. When when the men and women in our unions are asking for something, it's because it's it's specifically needed. Uh, and we had to, and, and as elected officials on, on, on uh, you know, in the negotiations, we have to understand they're, they're asking that because there's a need uh, and, and uh, it's not just a desire to have it. There's a need for what they're asking for. And when you can recognize that, um, I think elected officials across this country recognize that it'll elevate the profession. It'll give them uh, higher pay. It'll allow it to be safer. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we used to have, uh, we used to talk, Pat, early in our careers, we used to say we used to have so many officers per a thousand. That's really not the way to look at it anymore. It's the calls for service and the danger among those service. I mean, uh, can you uh, ask yourself a question? Uh, and I did this to OSHA. I said, how many people should, how many police officers should respond to a domestic uh, uh, call for service? How many is safe? They wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Because they yeah. knew how, they knew what I was trying to do. Well, like, I was, and there's and there's data to support what you're talking about. That's exactly right. Yeah, empirical that's data. Exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. get so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. Look, when it comes to when it comes to to collective bargain agreements and, and negotiations, really, if you start with the end in mind, it's 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 easy. The end in mind is is we want safe, strong communities. Yeah. Now let's look at what law enforcement contributes to the safety of that community. And what you're going to find is when you have that open dialogue, the people who work the streets every single day have some really good perspective on how to get there. So, so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, when they're asking for things, it's because there's a need for it. Well, there absolutely is. And, and I think we're, when we're all focused on what that end result is, is to have a better community, stronger community, uh, we can accomplish a lot together in places where you, you know, had that adversarial relationship or you just simply don't want to hear uh, the feedback, it, it, it creates tension within agencies. So there's a, a strong value in having that uh, having that open dialogue and, and the ability to be able to talk about those important issues and in a structure that allows you to be able to do so. 
So, well, so I thank you for your introduction of that bill. It's uh, that thing. It's important to, to law enforcement, a very hard one to, to get everybody to wrap their arms around. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, and that's a bipartisan piece of legislation, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that I, I think that um, and, and I said earlier, when, when it comes to law enforcement, it, it should be a, it should be bipartisan concerns. Um, and uh, that's the goal. You know, as uh, one of the leaders on the Republican side, I I want I want to champion bipartisan legislation um, that uh, that's that takes care of the the officer, their families, and the city they serve. You yes. know, when you have when you have uh, police officers that that truly understand that they're they're respected, I mean, they're, they're they're it just it just transcends to their service on the street. It just does. I mean, right now, uh, uh, Pat, right now. You have police officers that are disgruntled because their current leadership does not support them or their department. You know what they're doing? They're leaving and going to the department uh, two hours away that is going to pay more, and they feel very well respected yeah. and, and and revered for their service to the community. And that's we're seeing that in Minnesota. We're seeing we're seeing uh, uh, major departments uh, in you know in the Twin Cities metro area uh, losing officers and rural and some other. Uh, departments that, that that stand up with their law enforcement, their elected leaders stand up with the law enforcement. Yeah. You're seeing these uh, these officers leaving one agency and going to the other uh, because of the they, they like I say they feel respected and the pays more. And so uh, and and I think that Pat, you said something moments ago. The safety of the community is paramount. That's our first priority. That's it. You, you talk to the realtors. Any realtor, uh, one of the, uh, the first two questions are, is it safe in the community? And is there broadband? Yeah. Are they connected? Yeah. I mean, and, safe, we, and, and schools. Yep. You're right. That's, yeah, that's exactly. all, it's all elements to, to the quality of life. Yeah. I want to, I want to change, uh, switch gears a little bit. You mentioned it, uh, the, uh, protected serve act. You and I both, uh, had the opportunity with other members of Congress to, uh, to speak at a uh, press conference about the, uh, about the status of this bill. And, and it, it's, you know, as a law enforcement officer and, and, you know, more personal for you because of your history, um, you know, in, in 2019, this bill was passed almost unanimous in a house. It was unanimous in a committee. It went on to the house and it was lopsided, like 90% supported this bill, this particular bill. And, and for our viewers and listeners, uh, what this bill does is it, it, it opens up an avenue for our law enforcement officers. If they are attacked, if they're attacked because of their profession, uh, then it opens up the opportunity for federal charges. It doesn't mean that every one, every case would be a, a federal charge, but it leaves an avenue uh, for the federal government to step in and say, okay, targeting of law enforcement officers is just simply not acceptable. Um, and here we are. This is 2019, and it passed the House, but it didn't make it through. It didn't become law. So here we are. Every year we're chasing it again. You know, Fraternal Order Police started tracking these numbers. Uh, we saw this trend. We tracked it. We worked to get the language in this bill uh, introduced, and we will hopefully in 2019 we get somewhere with it. Now I'm going to tell you what's absolutely not acceptable, and and and, and you know let it fall where it is. And to, since 2019, we've had well, some 15, 1600 officers shot in the line of duty uh, during that period of time, and lost lost a, a lot of a lot of officers that you know people who went to work and never came home at the end of their shifts. They and their families deserve some deserve better. Um, and probably almost a third of that are ambush attacks of law enforcement officers. Now, if you take this and you apply it to any other profession in the United States, 
We'd be holding press conferences. We put committees together. We'd have hearings. We'd do all of these things, recognizing just this is just not acceptable. Somehow, for law enforcement, it, it's become commonplace. It's it, and, and there are members in Congress that just I don't understand why we can't get this bill passed. Uh, so I appreciate appreciate your your efforts and in, in introducing it and helping us helping us get some some traction with it. Um, it's a travesty what we see has happened in this country. You know, thank God there are some 800,000 men and women who suit up every day and go into communities knowing that this possibly, but by the grace of God, it could be them. Yeah. You know, Pat, that's well said. You set it up very well. You know, we have uh, right now um, the, the protect to serve act is, is beneficial in so many ways, but I just want to point out a couple. Um, and I want to go back to uh, the, the shooting with me where, where, where the suspect was a career criminal. Uh, uh, shot me in the head. Uh, the, the the federal prosecutor out of Minneapolis would not prosecute him for a felon in possession of a handgun. We were beside ourselves. And this was in '95. Yeah. Uh, our our our, our uh, detective bureau pushed and pushed, and they just got poo pooed. Why? This individual is allowed for 12 more years to victimize people. He finally got caught with a bunch of drugs and a bunch of guns and then went to prison. I mean, he got, he got a slap on the hand for what he did uh, trying to kill me. And so what this does, this gives the federal prosecutors uh, the ability to say, okay, uh, state or local, if you don't, this is an absolute attack on law enforcement. You better charge that criminal suspect to the to the greatest extent extent of the law. If you don't, we'll come in and do it. We'll do your job if you don't do it. And Pat, you 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 talked about the ambushes on law enforcement. It, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's uh, cowardly by these suspects to do this. Hide behind bushes and garages and and pick off the cop uh, as he or she is coming into the call for service. And we have to stand up against that. And that's why this act is so important. I mean, we're going to hold them accountable um, and we're not going to allow them to get by with a slap on the hand. The, the, the federal government will come in if your local prosecutor um, it takes the easy road. I mean, look at what look at the signal it sends uh, to, to the criminals. You can take a run at a cop and you're going to slap on the hand. If that's unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Yeah, if yep. you're going to target a law enforcement officer, what what chance do you think uh, average citizen in your community uh, they have with these same individuals? They they you know, right. just uh, it's it's actually attack on on society. Uh, as, well said, well said. It just, said. It's, it's I, I just don't, I don't, I can't quite reconcile why we would allow this to happen in any profession, uh, much right. less law enforcement, because uh, it certainly would not be permitted, nor would it be allowed in any other profession. That's right. Yeah. So. Well said. So, Representative Stalbert, thank you for joining us. Uh, if somebody wants to know more about you, uh, what's the best way for them to to find out more about you and your office? I, I a Twitter handle at at Rep Stauber, at okay. Rep Pete Stauber, at okay. Rep Pete Stauber. Uh, and listen, I, I just uh, Pat, as we end up, I want to to the men and women in the blue and brown that keep us safe. Uh, I want to thank you and your families for uh, your work you do, the profession, um, you're honorable, your integrity uh, is is uh, through the roof. We support you, and this office stands ready at a moment's notice to help any 
cop or their family. Uh, as a member uh, of the United States Congress, my former profession uh, is I take it seriously. And like I say, uh, my time in uniform may be over, but my watch will never end. Be safe, everyone. Patrick, thanks for this opportunity. Thank you, and Representative Stavard, thank you, thank you, because every law enforcement uh, bill that we have, every issue we've had, you've been a staunch supporter of our profession, and I thank you for what you do uh, every day. And, and to our viewers, and to our viewers and listeners uh, back home, uh, thank you for tuning in to the Blue View Podcast, where we talk about the issues that are so vitally important to men and women who suit up and show up every day in communities across this country and make a difference. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.